Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. And so those of you who are struggling with anger right now, the whole point of this episode today is... If you're struggling with anger, it may be time to embrace that a little bit. I write in a gratitude journal. I just wrote everything that was going on. It's a Melody Beatty exercise called How to Make a Miracle in 42 Days. And you're supposed to write all the things that you are not grateful for. And you write down like, I am grateful for. So basically, during when I was doing that, I was writing, I am grateful for how angry I am. And after a while, I realized wait a minute, how else should I feel? If I didn't feel angry, I would be weird. If I didn't feel angry, there would be something wrong with me. Like I'd be missing some like essential human thing. And once I realized that if I didn't feel angry, something would be wrong with me and I would be weird, then I could actually embrace it and say, okay, what I feel is anger. Now, how am I going to get back to peace? Having these scriptures, knowing that many righteous people through all of time have felt righteous anger and felt a desire for justice and that that's not a bad thing. And also, when we know we can't get the justice that we deserve, letting that go and surrendering that to God has really helped me to say, I know that I can't produce this myself. I know that in this world that we live in and the current society that we have, judges and clergy and other people don't understand this and they're not going to hold the people accountable. They're not going to hold them accountable like Christ did. And I'm doing the best I can, but I'm not the leader of, you know, an army. I can't do this, but God can. And even though I haven't witnessed it with my own eyes, I believe that he will. You guys might think I'm crazy, and I'm all right with that, but I'm going to choose to believe in this, and I'm going to keep working toward it. I'm going to try to create my home as a fortress of peace and safety and security for me and my children, where they can experience refuge from the tumult of this world. So many of you know that I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we study from both the Bible and the Book of Mormon. And the prophecies in the scriptures, both in the Bible and in the Book of Mormon, talk about righteous people or people who are healthy going through great trials, and then the Lord promises them peace. Also commands us to pray. I don't know how, at least in my situation, 
my ex is still extremely abusive. I still have to hold a no contact boundary with him. So I don't know when I will be delivered from having to interact with him at all. And I pray that it will happen soon, that we'll be basically delivered. But the Lord has promised us that. For those of you who aren't religious, I think you can put faith in knowing that if you do the right thing and if you put boundaries up, that the right thing will happen. Call it karma, call it the law of the harvest, call it the universe, whatever you want to call it. But we have to have faith in something because this really truly is a situation that we cannot solve ourselves. It's bigger than we are. That's what makes it so overwhelming is that we have to suffer the consequences of someone else's actions and there's no way that we can make up for that like in terms of our children and our homes being destroyed there's no way that me by myself that I can say okay well I'm going to make all things right for me and my kids like they're not right they're not going to be right for me as a Christian relying on my savior and the atonement to make up for that brings me peace and brings me hope and I know that all I need to do is set that boundary and maintain it And continue to maintain it and say, I'm standing for truth and righteousness, and hopefully I will be delivered from my enemies. There are so many examples in the Bible, the most famous being Moses, who is able to deliver the Israelites from the bondage of Pharaoh and helps them walk through the Red Sea on dry ground to safety. And then they end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Which is kind of how I felt at first. I felt like, okay, God has taken me out of bondage, led me through dry ground, and now I'm wandering around in the wilderness because I still don't know what's going to happen and I still have serious trials. But reading the scriptures brings me peace. And reading the scriptures helps me know that this pattern that we are seeing with our very own eyes and our very own homes is the pattern that has existed since the beginning of time. It's the same pattern with all people, with all different religions, with all different paradigms, where we have righteousness or health and we have unrighteousness or unhealthy behaviors and how do we create a peaceful happy healthy life i believe it's through obeying the commandments others of you maybe believe that it's through healthy behaviors however you want to couch that is fine with me but that's what we're working toward peace and there are a bunch of war chapters in the book of mormon And I'm going to read some concepts from this today that have really helped me understand righteous anger and what that looks like. So as you know, the Bible is the account of Jesus in Jerusalem and his dealings there. The Book of Mormon is an ancient account from about 600 BC to 400 AD of the people in ancient Central America. They also prophesied of Christ. So if you're not Christian, I hope that you can glean some benefit from these scriptures. The point of this is not to proselytize it by any means. I respect all of your different views. But it is to talk about a concept of anger within at least Christianity or within the general context of society of what righteous anger looks like or what healthy anger looks like. These scriptures I'm going to be reading to you are from Alma, which is a book in the Book of Mormon. And Alma is a prophet. And during this time, you have a very righteous captain of an army, and his name is Moroni. And he is saying to the unrighteous people, 
hey, you either repent and stop being unrighteous and stop harming us, or I'm going to kill you. Those are the two options that Moroni gives. And this is really interesting because people who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will recognize that Moroni is one of the most righteous men in the scriptures. It even states that in Alma 48, 17, it says, And verily, verily, I say unto you, if all men had been and were and ever would be like Moroni, behold, the very powers of hell would have been shaken forever. Yea, the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men. Moroni is described as an extremely faithful, extremely righteous man. He was a man of perfect understanding. It says, a man that did not delight in bloodshed, a man whose soul did joy in the liberty and the freedom of his country and his brethren from the bondage of slavery. Yea, a man whose heart did swell with thanksgiving to his God for the many privileges and blessings which he bestowed upon his people, a man who did labor exceedingly for the welfare and safety of his people. So it says specifically in Alma 48, verse 12, the safety of his people. And then in 13, yea, he was a man who was firm in the faith of Christ, who had sworn with an oath to defend his people, his rights and his country and his religion. And verse 14, now the Nephites were taught to defend themselves against their enemies. Yea, they were also taught never to give an offense. Yea, never to raise the sword, except it were against an enemy, except it were to preserve their lives. In our situation, in our day, we're talking about preserving our safety or wanting to preserve our safety. In trying to preserve their safety, in verse 15, it says, And this was their faith, that by doing so, God would prosper them in the land. Or in other words, if they were faithful in keeping the commandments of God, he would prosper them. So this is talking about hope. So here you have Moroni. He basically, in chapter 48, verse 24, says, Nevertheless, they could not suffer to lay down their lives that their wives and their children should be massacred by the barbarous cruelty of those that were once their brethren and had dissented from the church and had left them. Moroni is saying, if you have been unrighteous, if you have harmed your children or your family, or you're doing things that do not add to the safety of your families but harm them, you cannot be here anymore. These are your options. You leave and leave us alone, or you repent and don't do these things anymore, or I will kill you, says Moroni. Now, I am not in any way, shape, or form admonishing any of you to kill anybody. I'm just talking about what Moroni did in the past. But I am talking about how we can create boundaries for safety. As Moroni and his people create boundaries for safety, in Alma chapter 50, verse 18, it says, And they did prosper exceedingly, and they became exceedingly rich, and they did multiply and wax strong in the land. And thus we see how merciful and just are the dealings of the Lord to the fulfilling of all his words unto the children of men. Yea, we can see that his words are verified. And the Lord says to them in verse 20, Blessed art thou and thy children, and thou shalt be blessed inasmuch as they keep my commandments, they shall prosper in the land. But remember, inasmuch as they will not keep my commandments, they shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. Now, this is a really difficult scripture, I think, for victims in our situation, because when we recognize that our spouse has not been healthy and not made good choices, we are starting to get the consequences of that in our homes. So we start recognizing that our homes are chaos and things are starting to fall apart and we start suffering from the the quote-unquote unrighteousness of someone else. 
which is extremely painful and difficult, especially if we have obeyed the commandments or we're doing the right thing. Or if you're not religious, the paradigm would be if you're doing healthy things and someone else is doing unhealthy things, right? And that says in verse 21, and we see that these promises have been verified for it has been their quarrelings and their contentions, yea, their murderings and their plunderings, their idolatry, their whoredoms and their abominations, which were among themselves, which brought upon them their wars and their destructions. When you say wars, it could be the battle between an abuser and his victim at home. It's bringing all types of contention and chaos. And those who were faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord were delivered at all times. While the wicked, brethren, having been consigned to bondage or to perish, to dwindle in unbelief. I skipped a couple of words there. That was in 22. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. When you are in the home or when this person is unrighteous, you are feeling the effects of that and it does not feel good. It feels miserable. And that's what Moroni felt too. He felt like being in the situation where there were people who were not doing the right thing, who were not making healthy choices, it was miserable. I think it's really interesting in Alma 52 verse 21, it says, And it came to pass that Moroni, having no hopes of meeting them upon fair grounds, he can see that it is impossible to talk with these people who are making sad choices and who are lying and deceiving, that it is absolutely impossible to talk to them on fair grounds. Therefore, he resolved upon a plan that he might decoy the Lamanites out of their stronghold. So in several verses, it says that he is going to deal with them by stratagem, that he's not going to actually speak with them because that doesn't get him anywhere, that he is going to deal with them by stratagem. Setting a boundary is completely different than like lying in manipulation. If you think, okay, this person is too unhealthy to talk to. I need to figure out a way to get to safety, which doesn't involve confronting them directly and saying, hey, you're abusive. You're not safe. I can't be around you because that's just going to set you up for more abuse. So what exactly are you going to do? This is an example of that in chapter 54, verse 7. Moroni is talking to them and says, Yea, I would tell you these things if you were capable of hearkening unto them. Yea, I would tell you concerning the awful hell that awaits you to receive such murders as thou and thy brethren have been. You know, they're in, in our case, they're murdering our family. They're murdering hope. They're murdering goodness in our homes. He says, Except that ye repent and withdraw your murderous purposes and return your armies to your own lands. But as ye have once rejected these things, and ye have fought against the people of the Lord, even so, may I expect you will do it again. So Moroni saying, you know what? I just keep seeing this pattern over and over and over again. And he says, now we are prepared to receive you and accept you withdraw your purposes. Behold, you will pull the, down the wrath of God whom ye have rejected upon you, even to your utter destruction. And as the Lord liveth, our armies shall come upon you, except you withdraw. And then he says in verse 11, Behold, it supposeth me that I talk to you concerning these things in vain. 
or it supposeth me that thou art a child of hell. Therefore, I will close my epistle. This isn't a letter that he's saying this. And then in verse 12 at the end, he says, I will give you battle even until you are destroyed from the face of the earth. So Moroni is very angry in a good way. He's saying, this cannot happen anymore. You will not do this anymore. And then in verse 13, he says, Behold, I am in my anger and also my people. Ye have sought to murder us, and we have only sought to defend ourselves. But behold, if ye seek to destroy us more, we will seek to destroy you. Now, we are not captains of armies. We are stay-at-home moms, some of us. Some of us have jobs. We are trying to care for little children. So the goal of this podcast is not to say, go destroy someone, right? That is not the goal. But here is Moroni, who is a righteous man, and he is saying that. And even though we do not have the capability to stop the abuse in terms of say, hey, you either stop this or I will kill you, which Moroni does, we do have the ability to say, you either stop this or we will not be around you anymore. And that is a righteous thing to do. Moroni is the most righteous person. And he is doing that. So we can follow his example with peace and with confidence. There are lots of examples about this. In Alma 55, he refuses to do what the enemy asks him to do. And he lays down a boundary. Moroni does. And he says, for I will not grant unto him that he shall have any more power than what he hath got. In chapter 57, verse 20, it says they were firm and undaunted. I'm going to add in their boundary, although it doesn't say that. In 57, verse 26, miracles start happening. In terms of Moroni's people, the women and the children and the righteous people, it says, Now their preservation was astonishing to our whole army, yea, that they should be spared. And we did justly ascribe it to the miraculous power of God because of the exceeding faith in that which they had been taught to believe, that there was a just God and whosoever did not doubt that they should be preserved by his miraculous power. In chapter 58, verse 6, the bad guys, the evil people in the Book of Mormon are called the Lamanites, at least in this period of time. And in verse 6, it says, And the Lamanites were sallying forth against us from time to time, resolving by stratagem to destroy us. Nevertheless, we could not come to battle with them because of their retreats and their strongholds. So, boom, we've got a boundary there. And it came to pass that we did wait in these difficult circumstances for the space of many months, even until we were about to perish for want of food. So they've created a boundary. They're waiting it out, and it's not going well for them. And then in verse 8 the Lord's promises are revealed. But it came to pass that we did receive food, which was guarded to us by an army of 2,000 men to our assistance. And this was all the assistance which we did receive to defend ourselves and our country from the falling into our hands of our enemies and to contend with an army which was innumerable. So basically here, Moroni is saying, man, we were under siege. It seemed like things were coming to us from every side. And in verse 9, and now the cause of these our embarrassments or the cause why they did not send more strength unto us, we knew not. Therefore, we were grieved and also filled with fear, lest by any means the judgment of God should come upon our land. 
and overthrow it to our utter destruction. Therefore, we did pour out our souls in prayer to God, that he would strengthen us and deliver us out of the hands of our enemies, yea, and also give us strength that we might retain our cities and our lands and our possessions for the support of our people. Yea, and it came to pass that the Lord our God did visit us with assurances that he would deliver us, yea, insomuch that he did speak peace to our souls and did grant unto us great faith and did cause us that we should hope for deliverance in him." And verse 12, and we did take courage with our small force, which we had received, and were fixed with determination to conquer our enemies and to maintain our lands and our possessions and our wives and our children and the cause of liberty. We are in a great battle, women, with unhealthy behaviors, and we've seen the consequences in our homes. And standing for truth and righteousness in this situation, it looks different than, say, what maybe the typical Christian family looks like. It looks like setting boundaries. And this only we can do because only we know the level of deceit and destruction and evil that might be going on in our own homes. In 58 verse 37, we trust God will deliver us, notwithstanding the weakness of our armies, yea, deliver us out of the hands of our enemies. In verse 40, talking about the righteous armies, and I'm talking about you, and I'm going to put a we instead of a they here in 40. But behold, we have received many wounds. Nevertheless, we stand fast in that liberty wherewith God has made us free. And we are strict to remember the Lord our God from day to day. Yea, we do observe to keep his statutes and his judgments and his commandments continually. For our faith is strong in the prophecies concerning that which is to come. Thank you for allowing me to share these scriptures with you. They're really important to me, and I hope that you found them helpful. If you didn't, I appreciate your patience. If you're struggling with your faith, it doesn't matter which faith, but you're Christian, Jewish, whatever. If you're struggling with your faith and the response of your faith community to the abuse that you've experienced, please visit our website, btr.org, to get more information about how we can support you. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.